Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Holy Spirit, fill this room. We yield to you. We surrender our hearts, minds, concepts. We put it all aside and allow your powerful word as a sharpened sword to divide what is our opinion to what it is the truth. Let us embrace the truth. God, above everything else, we surrender everything. Open the eyes of our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's dive in the word of God. Galatians chapter 6, verse 11. The title of my message today is, Grace is the essence of Christianity. That's, that's what we learn through the book of Galatians. There are many subjects. There are many subjects that the, the, the Gospels and the epistles teaches, uh, teach us. But the essence of Christianity, it is one single word, the grace of God. And Paul closes his message, his teaching to this church in Galatia in this way. Verse 11, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, that external mark in the Jewish community, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Verse 13, for even those who are circumcised, they have that appearance of religiosity, do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. As for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Say after me, marks of Jesus. So there, there is the mark of religiosity, the external appearance of religious and devotion that pleases man, that pleases the conscience of many, and, are, and they are the hidden, unseen marks of Jesus. Which one we're picking? Verse 18, he closes saying the grace... Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be with your spirit brothers. Amen. And you also reply with. Amen. So the central point. Of the, the message of Christianity. Is the grace of God. It is Christ. Fulfilling the law. The 613 commandments. Of the Old Testament. And as we believe in him. We receive His righteousness, and now we are counted as righteous as Jesus is. 
And that is an amazing thing to even uh, fathom and think about it because you know yourself. You know the words you have spoken to your spouse this week. You know your stumblings. You know that bad habit that you persist into falling. And it is hard to believe that God embedded to you, He accounted a credit to you, Jesus' very righteousness. It is so hard that some people think it is so good to be true. And that's the stumbling in the faith of Christianity. Because people say, maybe I have to do something about myself in order to be saved and be counted just righteous. And that's actually the way of religion. Religion. The religion. The relink with God. It's every attempt of man trying to link himself to God without God. The word in Latin, religion, religion, it is a man in his own endeavors trying to build his ladder to God and try to climb it up, not realizing that this ladder is nothing else but a train track that we end in abysm. Now, relinking to God without God is every aspect of religion. Actually, I want to define religion for you guys. Because religion is a way to uh, please, is an attempt to please God in your own efforts, in your own works, with your own good conscience, but always doomed to failure. Always will not achieve the success. Now, if I'm talking about religion, I have to be honest that God had established one single religion, which is Judaism. And we have very interesting uh, details in the Old Testament about that kind of religion. It's so interesting because through Judaism, you find out a lot of uh, uh, characteristics of God. Like you, you find more about God's character than any other place. You see that God is very nosy about our pers personal life. God wants to talk in the way you eat, the way you dress. God wants to have an opinion even in the matters of your sexuality. So God, He's very personal through that very uh, uh, specific religion set up. But as, as it was expected to happen, you should come to the conclusion, learning through the Jewish religion, that you can't satisfy the high demands of God's standards. It's so hard that if you break one of the 613 commandments, you are condemned to break the entire law. And you will be condemned to death. So it is all or nothing. But the truth to be said is that we can't obey the entire law. And that's why God established a new way, a new covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, but when we go back to the uh, Jewish religion, rules and regulations and um, aspects, we find some pillars that... It's being emulated by all other religions in the world. 
all other religion systems in the world try to sustain themselves trying to copy the same standards of Judaism. For example, the first aspect of every religion is the temple. Every religion has a sacred place. They are shrines. They are sanctuaries. They are holy places. That place is there where people are going to take their pilgrimage in order to find blessings. Oh, if I only touch such and such, if I only come to such and such place, I will be blessed. But in the new covenant, for those that are genuinely born again, those that uh, call Jesus Christ their Savior, we became the temple of God. Now, this is important to say because maybe you're not grasping what I'm trying to explain here. In Judaism, in the Old Testament, God decided to manifest His presence, not everywhere, but in one specific country, Israel. But it wasn't in all Israel. It was only one city called Jerusalem. But don't think that the presence of God and the blessings of God was in every corner and street of Jerusalem. It was in one single address. The temple. But the temple was a huge structure and building. But I don't think that the presence of God was everywhere in that temple. It was in a specific place called Holy of Holies. And the glory of God was so intensifying that place that people trembled and, and they were really uh, uh, afraid to get inside of that dark, holy place. Actually, it is said that some people dare to get into that place in an irreverent way that they die, almost like in a nuclear. A uh, uh, poisonous, powerful place that you can come in. But thank Jesus that at the cross, when Jesus sighed out loud, it is finished. From the top to the bottom, the curtain that was separating us from that magnificent, that glorious presence of God, now is not there anymore. He decided to make us his temple. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know... That you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you. Now this rhetorical question is because you know this is true. Paul is saying if you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you know that you know. You don't know how you know, but you are certain that the very presence of God made a final address. Your heart. Your spirit, your very inner man. Now, wherever you go, you bring the presence of God with you. This commercial plaza has a dentist, has a chiropractor, has a dog saloon, and in a few more weeks, probably a human saloon too. And um, it is nothing else than a commercial plaza until Sunday morning. When the temples of God, the dwelling places of God, gathers together and call the name of the Lord upon them. And now as we worship and praise and hug each other and, and declare grace and peace to one another, we turn this commercial address into the church, into the temple of God, the congregation of the saints, the house of God. But without you, this was a dojo, karate dojo place, literally. And we got this and changed with your presence here into 
the church. Now, we need buildings like that. We need better buildings uh, for us together. And that's one of our prayers for 2021, is that we find a better building for our church. But we're not, never going to call uh, this building the church. We're going to call the church building. We're going to call the auditorium. We even are very radical to not even call this main gathering place sanctuary. Because the only thing holy here is you. Nothing else. Nothing else. The second aspect is the law. Every religion have their set of rules and regulations. It is that do and don't list that if you abide for it, you might be blessed or cursed. But the Bible gives us the great news of Hebrews chapter 8. For me, one of my favorite new covenant clauses that says, For this is the new covenant. The covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. In the new covenant, I will put my laws into their minds. Yes, God would upload the law, entire law, within our minds. There's more. And I will write them on their hearts, says the Lord. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Let me hear a good amen in the house. Which means... That if I live a spirit-filled life, if I'm a person that in the first words of my day, it is thank you, Jesus, for this air that I can breathe. Thank you, Jesus, for this comfortable bed you allow me to sleep. Thank you, Jesus, before my food, I thank and bring thanksgiving to your name. And I fill my day with the life of the Holy Spirit. It's for sure that the law of God will be obeyed by me organically spontaneously i don't need a mentor a tutor i don't need a disciple calling me just to make sure i'm not sinning i don't need someone on top of me just to discipline me in case no 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 i already have the very spirit of god dwelling in me speaking truth in my heart john 16 13 when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you say a good amen everybody it's not the pastor gonna guide you it's not your discipler. Hmm. By the way, all our structure, all our life group settings, all our leadership ranks is only to promote this only truth. Your life with the Spirit. Your walk with the Spirit. Your daily life with the Spirit. In other words, we want to promote Jesus in your life. Because Christ is still enough. Actually, this is what Paul says in Romans 10, 4. For Christ is the end of the law. I don't, know, I don't need a legalistic Pharisee after me just to make sure that I am obeying or not. With the first stone in his, in his hand just in case he caught me in sin. No, I don't need that because in Christ the law is fulfilled for righteousness to everyone who believes. So it is not by chance... That one of the most quoted verses in the New Testament, it is the righteous lives by faith. Number three, every religion have a clergy class. Those that are special. The religious uh, elite squad. They are the anointed, chosen ones that can represent uh, the people to God. 
and honestly, go you, Moses, to the mountain, but don't let us talk to God. You speak to God. I come to you. I ask for your prayers, and because you do the religious job, and I pay you with my tithes and offering, pastor, please pray for me. But let me tell you something. This is not the standard of the Christianity. This is not the standard of the gospel. In the New Testament, the standard is that God is raising a nation, a people. Each one of us can have our personal relationship with God. That's why Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are, by the way, tell this to the closest neighbor. Say, you are a chosen race. Remind her or him, say, you are a royal priesthood. Tell them, say, you are a holy nation. Now look at me. We are all the people that God owns. We belong to God. He will be our God and we will be his people. That we may proclaim the excellencies of him who call us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Paul breaks all this, this separation between lay people and clergy people. These clericalism levels and ranks. There's no such a thing. Yeah, we have more mature brothers than others. We have more experienced couples than others. But that's it. That's the only thing we have. Some people that walk more miles ahead than you that can help you in your walk, but they are not in better position in their relationship with God than you are. That's why Galatians chapter 3, Paul says in verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither priest, neither slave, neither free, neither lay people. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, if you don't grasp that, the problem is that we're going to keep having um, small islands in the service during the worship team, worship time. What I mean about that is like, I, 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 as a pastor, I'm worried with your um, Sunday experience, your uh, first day of the week moment with God. And, and I see that in our church, there are little spots where the Shekinah glory of God manifests in a different levels than others. This is because a lot of people still keep this idea that the worship team, they can go to the third heaven and experience this glorious experience with God. The pastor can, some leaders can, but not me. My week wasn't so good. Maybe I need to receive some prayer in order to actually get where they are. No, 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 no. We are all one in Christ Jesus. In August, we're going to preach a series on hosting the presence of God. And the idea is that I want we as a church, as a corporate body, come together in a one powerful worship experience. That's when we're going to see heaven coming to earth. That's when you're going to see the will that of God that is made in heaven being also executed, accomplished on earth. Number four, Galatians 6, 12. Let's read the verse first. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. Number four, it is uh, the brain mark of every religion, external ceremonies, rituals, rites, apparent things that not necessarily expresses the reality within. 
Christianity is not something external. Essentially, strictly speaking, Christianity is something within, from inside out. And honestly, if we come back to call holy places, sacred places, and even holy objects, holy flowers, powerful salt, coins that have some sort of blessings to prosper you, and even oils, we are going back to the dark age. John Calvin, the, the greatest uh, uh, theologian that actually established Calvinism, said that at the end of the Middle Ages, if all the relics, specifically the pieces of the so-called crosses of Christ, will be gathered together, they will be able to rebuild Noah's Ark. And that's the problem when we start to say the holy uh, uh, oil, the holy flower, and even calling the front rows the altar. There's no such thing in the New Testament. We are holy. We gather together. We call upon the name of the Lord. We ask for the manifested presence of God. Again, verse 15 of Galatians 6. Neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision. In other words, the appearance of things is not all the time that they reveal the reality. Let me explain this better. Everything is spiritual. We inevitably have an uh, external reality. But not everything external has a spiritual reality. The appearance of things are very deceiving. And actually, God already told this to the Jews in the time when God chose David. There was the priest Samuel choosing the next king of Israel. And Jesse brought the, hands, the most handsome, the greatest, the strongest of his sons. And God spoke very clear. I know, Samuel, that man looks to the external. I know that man cares for the appearance of things. However, I care for the heart. And the heart, it's a personal thing. I can't judge your heart. I can't discern your heart. Honestly, I don't know if you are born again, but I know that I'm born again. You're going to wonder, Pastor, but that might bring a lot of confusion. As leaders in the church, how are we going to discern if someone is born again or not? We can't. I don't know how we're going to do that. But God, by His grace, gave us some structure at least to help us to lead and mentor and disciple one another. For example, the baptism. The baptism is definitely an external ritual. However, if baptism is only an external rite without the reality within, it is empty. You only took a bath. Nothing else. Now, we have to have at least some evidence in order to start something with you because we can't judge your heart. But we can judge at least if you got baptized or not. And that's the only criteria, external criteria, that we can organize ourselves with. Nothing else. So, again, are we against rituals and traditions that have some sort of external appearance? Absolutely not. We are in favor. But if they have together the reality within. Are you guys with me? This is very important, guys. 
because the appearance of things are very deceiving. A few weeks ago, someone came to me and she wanted so much to get married. And she says, Pastor, I want to get married with him, but he's not baptized. And I say, okay. And she said, if he gets baptized, I'll marry him. I said, what is the use of that? Just get him in a shower or in a, you know, ocean or any bathtub and get him a baptism. Because if that's the matter for you, if it's just the external appearance of things, just do it and get married. No, 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 Pastor. I want him to experience Jesus. I said, this I can't force anyone. I, I can't do that. Now, now you're understanding that the baptism should be only a result of an interior, interior, personal experience with God. We can't force this in people. But we are participants of, of, to witness the reality within. And last, but very important, Galatians 13, 6, 13. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the last aspect of every religion is human works. Again, is the idea that if I do certain things, if I am dedicated enough, I will save myself. I will fix myself. I'll make that child, uh, I'll fix that child. I'll, I'll repair my marriage. I'll, I'll do everything and I will see the results on my own strength. In other words, there is this idea of boasting on our own works. Acts chapter 15 verse 1 tells us that that was the mentality of the Judaizers. Those uh, 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 religious people that were coming into the uh, Gentile churches. Preaching that unless you are circumcised. Unless you have this human work according to the customs of Moses. You cannot be saved. They taught obedience to the law because they believed that salvation depended on human works. That, they, that we ought to deserve God's favor. But as with all religious people, the Judaizers, they were hypocrites. Galatians chapter 6.13, even those who are circumcised could not keep the law. So why they were insisting in that obedience of the law? Simply so that they may escape being persecuted for allegiance to the cross of Christ. Now let me explain this. The cross of Christ is the message of grace. It is the declaration of your powerlessness, your weakness, your insufficiency. The cross of Christ is you declaring, I cannot save myself, fix myself, repair my marriage. I need a Savior. The cross exposes us to the very unpleasant truth about ourselves. Now, all other messages that is in the Bible, they are important, but they should come always after you embracing the totality 
truth of the gospel, which is the grace of God, the essence, the grace of God. What I mean is, people will not are going to persecute me or say bad things about me if I start to preach on the uh, uh, directions that apostles gives on obedience to the parents, to the respectful uh, standards in a Christian couple relationship. If I start to preach on principles of having a successful business, if I start to bring the high moral standards of the Old Testament that we can find in Proverbs, people actually might even greet me, praises me, compliment me for such a wise, elevated, and um, um, academic theological teaching. But if I simply come and preach that ultimately all those acts, all those cooperation with God, it is only possible to happen if you solely trust the finished work of the cross. They might stone me. They might persecute me. This is such a sugar-coated message. This is the wide door open this is the wide door kind of church that accepts anyone and any ways. Galatians 2.21. I will not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. But I know Christ died for a great purpose. To save me. To restore us. To really Put my marriage back together. To really, you know, bring me back to God's purpose. God, Christ died for the greatest purpose. For the salvation of everyone who believes. Do you think it is by chance that in closed countries like China, they literally want to take apart any symbol that has to do with Christianity. Specifically the cross. Since 2018, we see that persecution. Why? Because the cross expresses this message. 14, far be it from me to boast accepted in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So once I go through the cross, I no longer have any connection with the world. We're actually no longer concerned with pleasing the opinions of the world. But I want to be in the grace of God. Now, let me close my message with the essence of this block here. Galatians 6.15 For neither the appearance of things count, nor the lack of appearance of things counts. But one thing counts. New creation. Let me read another verse for you guys. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is not patched together. He's not remoted, reformed. He's not educated or tamed. He is entirely new. The old has passed away. The new has come. Let me speak to you frankly. A religious guy came to Jesus in the middle of the night. Concerned with his status quo with his fellow legalistic religious friends. And he says, Jesus, 
I try my best. I do everything that the law, I was taught in the law, at least I try my best. But I'm still lacking. I'm still feeling empty. I love Jesus' answer that told him in John chapter 3, verse 3. Truly, truly, honestly, I'm just being honest with you, Nicodemus. I'm only being honest to you, you that are in the search, you that are thinking about Christianity, you that maybe are even labeling Christianity as any other religion. Let me be honest. Let me be truth, truthful to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Let me invite you to stand up. The essence of Christianity is not a work a man can do. The essence of Christianity is everything that God has done to save mankind. The new birth is not a work. The new birth is not a performance. The new birth is a receiving. When you receive, you are not working. You are declaring out loud that you are powerless, that you can't without God. Again, it's not a mere change of outside appearance. It's not a change of conduct or behavior. It is receiving an entire new life. I'm not taming an animal in order to look like a human. No, no, no. I am killing that animal and resurrecting into a child of God. The concept of religion is improvement and betterment, but God's concept is a change of nature. He removes the old and He injects the new. Only God can do that. No one can be born again in his own attempt. We must be born again. I don't know who is listening to my message. I don't know if there's anyone here wondering about this personal inner experience. But I want to invite you to honestly look to your heart and see if the Holy Spirit dwells there. If the emptiness, if there's some void there, just invite Him. Just call Him inside of your heart today.